Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the 2022 season of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast brought to you by the Herd at Sports Network. I'm Ben, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Drew. Thanks, Ben. Each episode, we will sample craft beers, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at wannabewalkons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com. On this week's episode, Drew and I will sample beer from Fremont, Nebraska's 505 Brewing Company, react to the Wisconsin game, raise a glass to the state next door with our Iowa Sportsman Sip, and preview Nebraska's season finale against the Hawkeyes. I'm Ben. And I'm Drew. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. Well, Drew, we are coming off some heartbreak, and I don't mean the Nebraska-Wisconsin game. I mean, you sat down and watched The Mighty Ducks after we had a long conversation, and that movie just starts off on such a down note it for that really first act, does. and then builds you back up. Yeah. And if that's not a movie Husker fans need now. <laughs> it was inspiring to see uh, yeah, a new coach come in and take a ragtag tag group of kids and really turn their season around. Absolutely. So. Just just through coaching and love, but also coaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So oh, man. You, you said you, you had some some, I, no, some thoughts took, about the game. I did. Or, I, okay, the game. About <laughs> the Mighty Ducks. I took notes while I was watching the movie, and I typed them all out, and then I forgot them on my printer this morning. Um, but, but like you said, it is, it is a dark movie at the beginning, like Gordon Bombay getting wasted, driving around in his car to celebrate his professional success is the saddest thing I I think I've ever seen. He's alone in his car, driving in a blizzard, drinking shitty beer. Like the dude has no friends, no coworkers to celebrate with, um, no place to go. It's, it's sad. You know, he has got a nice house. He's got a, he's got a wet bar. Yeah. Yeah. But Yeah. I don't know. So that was sad. And then there's there's so much about that movie that's just 
what what I love Insane. is how they how they make everything kind of come together. Like the fact that the Mighty Ducks were named after his boss, Mr. Ducksworth. Ducksworth. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's just all these really beautiful things that had to happen in this script where they're like, man, man why why are they called the Mighty Ducks? Why does that matter? And and all these little things going going back and forth in there. But yeah. There's little stuff that jumps out at me too that Gordon Bombay was a cheater. When uh-huh. when the kids get pinned, he's like, next time you get pinned, you put your hand up your eye and you stomp your 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 skate. He's like, Coach, I'm not gonna cheat. Yeah. It's like you're yeah. fucking right, you're not Charlie. <laughs> That's not who you are, Joshua Jackson. <laughs> you're a good man. It's so crazy because like he learns all these lessons about taking care of these kids, but then there's one part where one of the kids gets clearly gets concussed, like takes a <laughs> takes a puck to the head. They literally just drag him off of the ice and move on like nothing happened. Do you, do you expect more from a coach who just ties his goalie up to a goal and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. have at it, unload, boys? Oh my god, it's it's insane. There was there and there was some like your introduction to the kids. They're dumpster diving and collecting dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that part's crazy to me. Um, the introduction to the Hawks team, the when yeah when, when the when not when Gordon's playing for him, but when he's coaching against right. him, when the coach hasn't the, aged yeah, at all, yeah, like not at all, <laughs> the, the Bill um, Belichick of <laughs> junior hockey in Minnesota, yeah, who, by the way, has been obsessed with winning Pee Wee championships <laughs> for for like thirty years. You know, I'd be surprised if that guy didn't have a DUI in his past. Oh, like you if know, there wasn't does. some sort but, of but he's also the yeah. coach of the Hawks, so he can get away with yeah. it. Um, but yeah, there was there was one where the one of the Hawks players, it's he makes he's he's racist. He makes a racist joke towards the Mighty Duck players because they have they have two black kids on their team. Yeah, and they've got a lineup. They're lined up. There's the two brothers, the Hall brothers. Um, they're black, and then there's a white kid in the middle. And he goes, "What are you, the Oreo line?" Oh my god! And I was like, "Holy fuck! Like this is a Disney movie." Yeah, and they threw that out there. Like, yeah. I don't know. There was just yeah. It was I told you, Mighty crazy. Ducks is a shockingly it's put insane. together film. Yeah, I mean, it's very early '90s. Yep. But it's also like you watch it now, and you're like, oh, "I have fond memories of of the Mighty." No, you don't have fond memories. Of you have fond memories of Mighty Ducks two. <laughs> you don't have fond yeah. memories of the first Mighty Ducks movie because that first movie is a dark experience. It is. It really is. And before we jump into other dark experiences when it comes to (laughs) what Nebraska football has done to us, we have a beautiful dark beer in front of us that Mm, I think is worth talking about. Yeah. Now, this is from 505 Brewing Company in Fremont. I was fortunate enough to go out there this past weekend, pick up some beer. I bought a couple couple growlers from them. The growler we're drinking is their porter. It's called Tub Thumping, which uh, is the the name of a song by Chumbawamba. And you might know the song of I Get Knocked Down, But I Get Back Up Again. Yep. Hopefully a very fitting song for this upcoming game against Iowa, where Nebraska got knocked down against Wisconsin, but we're going to get back up again and maybe spoil some Big Ten West Division Ooh, championships. Hopefully. We'll yeah, see. We'll see. But um, I was telling you earlier, I bought two growlers. One of them was this porter. The other one was a Saison. I drank the entire Saison growler by myself yesterday. Uh, I did not share. I offered it up to other people. <laughs> Nobody took me up on it uh, within the 15 minutes like it apparently took for me to just enjoy this entire thing. I mean, this is really nice beer, and this porter is no exception. So I want to share a little bit about 505, and then we can maybe dive into this beer a little bit further because awesome. I think yeah. this is one that a lot of folks would enjoy. For sure. So before I begin, I want to give another big shout out to our friend Michael Meyer, a.k.a. Joe Java Stout, for providing a lot of the information included in this profile. If you're a fan of Nebraska craft beer, you need to visit his website at joejavastout.com. He's pretty much got the introduction to 
every brewery in the state. And if he doesn't have the introduction, it's because that brewery's not open yet. And even then, he's already got a profile on the brewers and he's looking forward to it. This guy, everything Nebraska beer like runs through this guy. And he's a, an excellent asset to have for a show like us who likes to highlight what these guys do. Yeah. So 505 Brewing Company is a familiar story to any of our listeners. Co-owners Sean Morrow and Tim Gessel were both home brewers with dreams of opening up their own brewery. Sean had worked in the brewing industry, spending years climbing the ranks at Empyrean Brewing Company in Lincoln, Nebraska, and eventually attending the Siebel Institute of Technology in Chicago and a master brewers program to the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Kind of fitting for this episode. Yeah. We won't hold it against him. (laughs) Sean had set in motion a plan to open his own brewery all the way back in 2008, but the recession forced him to walk away. That same year, he pivoted from the brewing industry and took a job at Lincoln Industries where he met Tim Gessel. The two began home brewing together, and their partnership eventually led to them getting beer to the owner of the 505 building in Fremont. Ryan Durant, the owner of the building, thought it would be awesome to have a brewery in his building and began pursuing Sean to open said brewery. After saying no a few times, Sean's excitement got the best of him, and in late 2018, he agreed to open a brewery of his own. In November of 2019, the Fremont City Council approved of the brewery and provided a grant to help renovate the 505 building. Unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances, the 505 building could not logistically hold the brewery, but fortunately, the guys found a different building at 349 North Main Street. What was formerly a Diamond Vogel paint store would be the future home of 505 Brewing Company. On January 13th, after years of planning, designing, renovating, and brewing, 505 opened its doors. The event was historically significant for the town of Fremont as it marked the first time in 105 years that Fremont had a brewery to call their own. Thanks, Prohibition. (laughs) Today, as 505 approaches its one-year anniversary, the brewery is already known as an excellent place in the community for not only excellent beer brewed true to style, but a gathering place where all can feel welcome. And that's a brief introduction to 505. Drew, what do you think of Tub Thumper? Uh, well, first of all, I'm I'm glad that uh, Sean and Tim were persistent in in waiting a decade. I think you said close to a decade. Yeah. So yeah, Sean to... had the idea in in 2018 when he had about 10 years under his belt yeah. with Imperian. He thought I'm ready to do this on my own. He got the certifications. He learned the way to do it the right way. He had guidance by the head brewer at Imperian, uh, and then the recession hit, and right. he he was kind of forced into a career change. He had to uh, make a difficult decision there. But he continued to work on his hobby and improve his recipes and, and keep going on that front. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that just speaks to the, the passion that it, I think it takes for, for somebody to follow through with oh, opening, yeah. opening a, a brewery. There's, but. there's too many hurdles and headaches that we've learned that go into everything from the local, the city councils having to approve it mm-hmm. because it is alcohol-based, to the renovations that it takes, to getting federal approval to picking out a name that nobody else on the planet has or in the United States at least. I mean, just insane rules. You, you have to have an itch that you cannot scratch when it comes to wanting to be uh, a brewery owner. And I, it's just, it's an amazing journey for anyone who gets there for sure. So to say it's the same story over and over. Yes. But it's one that I'm sure is rife with just a a different laugh here and a different change of pace here and a different corner over here that you got to just get around. Right. Yeah. And then, and then the results, you know, it's it's a beer like this, and and I imagine a lot of others that are just incredible. Um, this porter is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, uh, it's very sweet to me on the nose. It's got a, a really late, but um, wonderful roast quality at the end. Yeah. Um, very drying, kind of dries it out at the end as well. 
um, but just good mouthfeel, good um, flavor, a uh, little little bit of chocolatey flavor to mm-hmm. me too. Um, beautiful, beautiful balance between sweetness yeah. and roast. What what I find in a, in a lot of porters from craft brewers is occasionally in in an attempt to not tiptoe into the stout territory, the beer comes out a little thin. Yes. It, it doesn't have that sweetness level. And what this porter does really well is what you touched on, is that drying effect at the end or that bitterness that comes through at the end with that roast takes care of that sweetness. So you get that velvetiness that you get from the sugar in the beer, but you're finishing with that that strong malt, that roast, that coffee, kind of dark chocolatey bitterness. Mm-hmm. And that just takes it on an experience, let alone just being balanced. Like you're, you're getting a tasting experience as you drink this beer. Yeah. Beautiful velvety mouthfeel leads its way into some sweetness, and then finishes on that roast. I think our both initial sips, we were like, oh, this is a really nice sweet beer. And then, and then oh, boom, it hits you, yeah. Yeah, like the, the chorus just starts to sing. The heavens open up, and you're like, yeah. this is this is a journey. This beer is an experience, and, and a beautiful one at that. Yeah, and you don't find too many beers that are that do that, where it's like you can really distinguish between um, you know, that initial when you lift the glass to your nose, when you take that first sip, when you first get the taste, and then as it like evolves in your mouth, um, that, yeah, like you said, it is an experience, and it's really cool when you come across a beer like that. Um, it just makes it so much more enjoyable. It makes you want to go back for another taste and see what else there is to find in that drink. So. I think part of that, too, is being mindful of your drinking experience. So knowing, like, okay, this is a this I pulled out of the fridge, ice cold, got us in frosted mugs, put it on there. And so you do, you bypass some of that stuff that might be there as the beer warms up, and you, and you get those that sweetness note through the cold, and as it works through your mouth and starts to warm up, mm-hmm. then it starts to kind of bloom in a sense. And so just being mindful of that as well, it's it's little details that might sound pretentious and you're like, well, I just grab a glass and I grab a beer and I go to town. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. Um, but there's also different ways that beer evolves with temperature. Yes. Um, yeah. Some beers encourage you to drink them at 55 degrees. Right. Yeah. That, ice cold's not always the way to go. Right. Yeah. But this one, it, it, it benefits the beer. Not that the beer needs any assistance because it's clearly a great beer by itself. Yeah. However we would drink it. Um, and I'm sure as we continue to work through this growler, we'll be just fine, whatever temperature it's <laughs> yeah. at. But um, that's another thing just to, to keep in mind as you're trying a beer like, oh, as this thing warms up, there's a reason that it starts to taste, you know, different and sometimes better, sometimes not as good as the initial beer. And then, you know, this is a beer I want to drink cold. This is a beer I want to drink a little more room temperature. So I'll get off my my pedestal there <laughs> and let us move into talking about Nebraska, Wisconsin. Man, that's uh. I wish the game was as good as this beer. <laughs> it seemed like it was gonna be for fifty nine minutes and and thirty seconds of it was was fantastic. Yeah, but uh, shoot that last that last thirty seconds. Nebraska drops a heartbreaker fifteen fourteen to Wisconsin. Wisconsin gains their bowl eligibility. Nebraska uh, <laughs> has one game left. I don't know what to say uh, yeah. there on that front. Uh, uh, what what are your your first thoughts that kind of come out of this? What uh, uh, well, like, I mean, Mickey said it in his press conference, and it was my first reaction was it hurt? Yeah. Like, it just hurt. It was one that for, um, like, it's Wisconsin and Iowa games just mean more. And people argue about, like, are they really rivals and blah, blah, blah. Um, they do. They just mean more. You just want to win more. And especially with um, not having beat being Wisconsin since 2012. Yeah. Um, yeah, just like this was, it felt like by far and away our best shot to to take them down. And so, I don't know. I built up my hopes. I felt like we had a really good shot going into this one. And I and I think Nebraska showed that they 
have the ability to to pull it out. It's just God, man. I don't know. Just if, a last second loss. If it just if it doesn't show Nebraska's deficiencies, though, you know the the need to have an offensive line that can close games out. Yeah. This is this is the I don't know how many games in a row where the defense was on the field longer than the offense, and you think, man, if this defense can just get one more stop, but then you kind of take the blame off of what the real issue is, right? Like the defense getting one more stop is a band aid to the bigger issue, which is that offensive line that can't gain push, the uh, whatever the stubbornness not to establish a run game or the inability to do so. I yeah. think it's a combination of both. Um, saying, you know what, we, we don't have to worry about keeping focus on that because we're not going to get there anyways, so let's just air the ball out. Or is it, you know, what is it? And and credit to Scott Frost. He found a way to create a running game uh, with with an offensive line that struggled, but he had a mo- mobile quarterback. He did, and he did a lot of window dressing and yeah. um, and all that to, to try to help alleviate some of those issues. Um, I wish he would have spent maybe more time developing an offensive line yeah rather than developing a way to scheme around it yeah um you know yeah and and with the big 10 man like you know you run into these games where it's 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 cold it's windy uh you're not gonna be able to sling the ball around and that's kind of what nebraska that's bailed nebraska out a lot mm-hmm. is taking those deep shots um and that that just wasn't possible for half the game when they were playing into the wind sure and so without those running lanes opening up, and I think, like you said, it's a combination of, of stubbornness, of, of, you know, wanting to run an offense through a pass, um, but also an inability to really block sure. for, and open up lanes and, and get guys into a rhythm. I, so. I think in these cold games, you know, I, I want to almost defend my position there on, on the stubbornness side of things. I, I know that Nebraska wasn't having success moving the ball on the ground, that Anthony Grant was having to do a lot of work and he felt like about the only back that was in there. I know Gabe Irvin saw some time in there, but he really I saw him, you know, I think get the ball one time. Yeah. If if I remember correctly. I don't even remember seeing him. He gained, honest, a, he gained a first down yeah. uh, in a crucial in a crucial spot. He got about I think 4 yards. He got hit at the line, but he got two more yards, fell forward, got the first down. Grant or uh, uh Irvin, you know, came in, did what he needed to do, but I think Anthony Grant was the featured back that whole time. Um but when you get into these games, I think that Nebraska's defense was doing a great job. Braylon Allen was hurt for the most part, didn't want to uh-huh. run like himself. Yeah. But when you're the defense on the field for 36, 38 minutes, and you're the one getting hit time and time again, that wears on you. In the cold, in the 11th game of the season. Exactly. Yeah. And the the thing where, to me, it feels like stubbornness is, yes, you might not be gaining ground, but if you're the aggressors and you keep hitting the opposing defense and you're the ones now on the attack it doesn't necessarily matter as much when it comes late in the game because the defense is going to start to recoil. But because Nebraska has this season not built a running game upon itself and and created this building block of we're just going to run it at you whether it works or not, and we're going to be the aggressors, and I've said that kind of time and time again, that like we need to be more aggressive. We need to be the ones running downhill. We need to be the ones attacking at you. And when you go into pass pro, you're giving the defensive line a chance to attack your offensive line. And when you're not running the ball – you're not giving your offensive line the opportunity to be the aggressors and to inflict that same pain where the defense starts to maybe recoil a little yeah. bit. And that, to me, is the the frustrating part. On a cold day like that, that is your advantage, right? Start hitting the guys so they don't want to get hit anymore because it hurts <laughs> when it's cold. We saw guys go down. Yeah, We saw that a lot yesterday. When I can tell you, yeah, a guy, a guy like Grant who runs hard, who looks for contact, he's capable of, of putting a beat down on a defense. And you got, I mean, you know, Jack Hazian is another 
big bodied dude that's hard to take down. Um, Gabe is a hard runner who I think would look for contact too. So yeah, we have, we have those guys back there that would be able to do that. Um, I'm curious for you with, when you're talking about being an aggressive offense, yeah, those two fourth down fourth and short early in the game. Oh man. I hate to, I hate to say that I sided with RG three on those, but I (laughs) was on Robert Griffin, the third side where I thought, the first one I understood because it was like a fourth like and two, fourth and three. It's a long, it was a long, yeah, yeah, a yeah. long attempt there, and and I can understand your. I think that was the first series of the game, even uh, mm-hmm. if not the second. Very know, early, you don't very know early. how your defense is going to respond or answer right. the call on this game in particular because you haven't seen them come out and work. So I can understand. Hey, let's play the field position. Let's see how our defense operates, and let's keep that in mind. The second one, because it it, it felt like even early in the game, Nebraska gets to three scores. If it's a three-score differential, it's going to be hard for Wisconsin because, yeah. yeah, they're moving the ball, but at no point are they pushing the ball. Like, they're just they're moving consistently, and you just don't feel like they have enough drives left in them to catch up to three scores. Right. Um, and then they did. So I was I was against the second one. I was I was too. Um, but I but I can also I can see where you make that decision because you made it the first time and you said we're gonna we're gonna play smart. And it, it was working. Okay. You know, the first one was like, yeah. cool, we, we, we kind of, you know, punting away, we still kind of win in that scenario, in a sense. Um, I mean, I, I, ultimately, I disagree with it. I think you do go for it. I mean, we have, you have literally have nothing to lose at that point. Yeah, you know, I, I have a hard time with you're playing smart, right? You're, you're coming mm-hmm. in, you're a, a two-touchdown dog at home. I think the line went down to maybe like nine and a half at that point. But, yeah. but you're still not favored to win nobody expects right. anything out of you you're an interim head coach you're playing with house money like yeah that sh- to me is the issue right is it's yeah. it's like I get that you f- you are coaching for a position and you want to be the head coach and you want to be that guy but at the same time like I as a fan I want to see you fucking win sorry <laughs> yeah. Kathy I want to see you <laughs> I want to I want to see you be aggressive I yeah. want to see you fight for that win I understand that this might sound hypocritical if we rewind all the way back to Northwestern with the onside kick. But it's a different kind of aggression. It's a calculated aggressiveness where these are situations where you're on the opponent's side of the field. Mm-hmm. They're not moving the ball well on you. Your defense is doing a great job. You've already had a turnover, I think, by the time the second fourth down opportunity came. I think so. I all I know for sure Graham Mertz was not throwing well early on sure he was really struggling like the only thing that they had to hang their hat on was their run game yeah so so all of those things factored in that second time felt yeah. like a no-brainer and, and that was at the end of the first quarter is when that hit and so I think it was actually before the interception okay uh, but as they're going to commercial break Mickey's given the go for it signal like we're gonna go we're gonna go he's running his fingers in a circle he's like we're gonna go we're gonna go and then they go to a break and they change their mind and it's almost like that uh, paralysis by analysis. You give too much time to think about it, and you make a decision where you're like, you know what? I'm glad that we had you know a commercial timeout. I could sit and think on the decision. And it's almost like in these situations, I want a guy who's going to trust his gut. Yeah. That that to me is more. You know, again, might sound a little hypocritical, but credit to Whipple, like he at least sticks with his gut. And I just wanted to see that out of our head coach. Like, yeah. go with your gut. Be the aggr- you're this aggressive recruiter. You're this guy who's like. He's got all the confidence in the world. Yeah. Instill that confidence. Put that confidence in your team. And if we fail to get it, then you say, that's on me. Right. Like, that's what I want to hear in the presser. I, want, I don't want to hear, why didn't you go for it? I wanted to say, what did you see that made you go for it? And he goes, I believed in our guys. Done. Cool. Not, yeah. I was 
you know, backpedaling. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Was, yeah. I figured that would be a loaded answer. I mean, I just, yeah. It, I, as the game was, um, or as it was happening, I, yeah. I mean, those are very obvious this, calls that you knew would come back to be questioned one way or the other, however this, the game turned this out. This was a very obvious game where time of possession was going to be the winner. Yeah, this is a league that, this, at least a division, this entire division is, it, they're all built the same. And this is, this is where I always, my mind always goes back to Frost's opening press conference quote of, we hope they adjust to us. Um, it's like the Big Ten, like, not only, did, not only did the Big Ten not have to adjust to Nebraska, but it almost like became more of itself. Oh yeah, they dug their feet in the sand and, and it, they yeah. said, okay. Well, like, okay, no, we're just going to like stack like, 12 top 10 defenses into this league yeah um we're gonna get all the best running backs in the nation ohio state michigan penn state are all gonna be top 10 teams and and you're gonna just fucking just get just slowly ground into nothing over the next five years yeah um yeah it was i don't know it's incredible it's, it's just it seems so obvious like the the solution seems obvious as you're watching these games it's like okay we need to just we just need to be what what we're getting beat by right yeah. become what we're getting beat by yeah um, that's, that's stuff that I obviously take, it takes time to, to build up too. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I'm just like spit. I'm just kind of spinning out of control because, because uh, yeah. of the emotion from the game. Um, you know, you, you say that it is going to take time and it's going to be a coaching philosophy change and it's going to be coaching differences and things like that. But when you look at where Nebraska is in these games, it's not a fluke that we're close Right. It's not a fluke that we have athletes that we have recruited well. We just haven't given these guys the tools to be wholly successful. You know, you're you're hearing about like a guy like let's take Cam Jurgens, for example, right? At Nebraska, everyone's like, Why is this guy our center for three seasons? He's not done what he needs to do. He's not snapping the ball well, but there's this athleticism there. There's this this naturalness there. And then he goes to Philadelphia, gets a real coach in the NFL, and is primed to take over for arguably the best center in the country and is like already filling the shoes, like yeah. is already primed to be that. It's like when you give the athletes that we've been recruiting the proper coaching, it's there. I don't mean that Nebraska is going to get a new coach, turn around and win a national championship or big win the Big Ten or the Big Ten West or anything like that. But I do expect as a bare minimum that next year we make a bowl. Yeah. If if what Trev Alberts is doing with the coaching search to find the right coach to bring in the right assistance and and do what he needs to do that shape things up, there there's no excuse with the talent that Nebraska can get and has got and the recruiting numbers show for it, plus what they can pull with NIL through the portal, that a coach can't come in here and at least win six games. The the, the Big Ten West just eats itself. You can steal six games. Yeah. And especially when you know. So I, I have high expectations for the next guy coming in, and I know that's not the direction this was going, but just to, to jump off what you said, I think we have some very talented players on this team who are giving their everything, and I think if they find a guy who they believe in the message, kind of like they have with Mickey where they're still in the fight and they're still giving it their all, I could see a quick turnaround where we, we feel at least relieved by the end of the season that we're going to get 15 to 18 extra practices and we're going to get a bowl and we're all going to go spend our money and, you know, I don't know, Detroit at the, the Detroit <laughs> Little Caesars Pizza Bowl is that still whatever or the Music know. City yeah, Bowl or Pinstripe Bowl or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, to use Cam Jurgens as as an example, like they they saw something in him very early on. Um, they identified it and then they just built towards it. 
you just need to extrapolate that out to your entire team. Um, I think our defense has that. I think our defense has the right the right mindset, the right coaches. The, the foundation was laid, and I think that's why you saw them progress this season. Um, you know, aside from the coaching switch, obviously that helped. That made a huge difference. But they had at least that. You know, the 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 four years with Chenander, he at least had established a, a solid enough foundation. Yeah. Um, that by the time this season came around, even though they started off. Uh, poorly, they were still able to find their footing, right? And they were able to come together and gel. Um, and that is a mix of, of of talent, but then just also knowing what you're what you're doing. And I think a little bit too of what Mickey's energy and and probably Bill Bush's energy, at, like what that brought to the table for them um, on defense. I think you can just you can just get in the right spot and play with a a boatload of energy, and you can do some pretty great things. Yeah. Um, offense, I think it's a lot more you got to have the right mechanics and timing and, yeah. and the right system. Yeah. Um, and so that takes a little bit more time, but, uh, but yeah, I think just find the right, find the right guy that can, that can identify whatever the hell's wrong with this team and say, look, this is what we're going to build towards like this. And, and you talk about this all the time, identity, find your identity. Mm-hmm. And, just, and um, a guy like, uh, what's Michigan state's coach name? Tucker. Yeah. Mel Tucker. Tucker. Yeah. Um, he flipped Michigan State around, but he didn't build anything, right? Like right. they just went right back in the shitter. Um, so, so he showed that what you can do with the portal to make a, a quick flip without actually doing anything. But then you look at like Brett Bielema, um, who is who is completely changed. I think Illinois' fortunes by saying, "Here's what we're going to do. We're going to build towards this." And it and it took two seasons, mm-hmm. but you saw that steady progress. Um, they're obviously still they got their hiccups. They're still Illinois. Um, they're still in a tough division um or a division bowl parody but but that's what nebraska needs man like we just need we need our our version of brett bielema who can who just has something that's so just solid in what he knows what he wants to do and he knows exactly how to build it um and you're right like nebraska has this is what's so frustrating too is we have all these resources man I don't know. <laughs> Again, I just yeah. It's so it's, easy to spiral right now, man. Like, because we're because we're at the end of the season, things it, are kind of winding down. And it, just, we're all we're also like, we're we're standing at the edge of a cliff, and we're we're all turning and looking at Trev Alberts, <laughs> and we're like, we're gonna jump, we're gonna jump, Trev, Trev, we're gonna jump, and we keep saying it, and Trev's yeah. like, okay, hold on, I'm bringing the parachute. Yeah. I'm like, hold on, no, but Trev, we're gonna jump. You need to bring us a parachute now, so we're gonna jump. And he's like, I'm I'm bringing the parachute. But he like he's you know he's doing his thing to find the parachute, and and we're like but we're ready to jump, Trev. Yeah. <laughs> we're ready to put all of our trust in you. Can you please bring us a fucking parachute? <laughs> <laughs> so I get it. It is it is easy. To, we we are standing on the edge. We are in limbo. We're in whatever analogy you want to put out there. Um, and 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 I know that as soon as a head coaching decision is announced. The era of hope will begin again. Oh, a hundred percent. And and I can't wait for it because yeah. I need it. I <laughs> need it. I need it, Trev. I need the fucking parachute, man. Can I can I provide some things that you I You know think what? I was gonna say, why don't we why don't that we, we do have right now? Yeah, let's let's flip the script wanna, and talk about some good stuff we saw. Okay. I wanna so well a couple things. Trey Palmer came back, right? Came yeah. back to life. He had Woke a couple up, pissed touch- off. He did. And Woke up pissed off. pissed off. He probably went to bed pissed off too, but at least he went to bed with two more touchdowns. Yeah. Right. Um, so it was nice to see him back. It was good to have Casey back. You can see the difference that this offense, you know, even though they, again, still struggle with the run game, you can still see that at least they're a little bit more themselves when they have Casey. And there is more, uh, I just feel, you just feel like there's more confidence. Like, that, okay, we can, 
we can run this thing how we we need to run it to hopefully find success. Um, Travis Volklek had a couple of really great third down catches on senior day, which I was happy for him. And fought. And fought and for he yards. fought for him, yeah. That's, that's that's the stuff that just, like, gets me going where I'm up screaming at the TV. It's it's less about the shitty calls and the shitty plays, and it's more about when I see a guy give an effort like that and fighting for every yard. For everything, That's yeah. where I'm like, that. I'm, let's go to war. Like, let's go, boys. Yes, yeah, because th- that – the third and seven where he, I think he broke two or three tackles. I mean, he, yeah, like you said, fought, fought for the He's yards. also three yards was, tall. Yeah, so like it, <laughs> that's true. It helps. Just to kind of like lay down and then there's your first down. But he, yeah, he did that. That was on a touchdown drive. And so like that's yeah. a that's just one little play um, that, you know, gets lost in, in all the hubbub that follows. But um, that was huge. And again, it's senior day for him. You know, his last home, his last game in Memorial Stadium. So it's cool to see that. Um, on the defensive side, uh, first of all, you hope uh, Buford is okay. You you wish him a, a good, speedy, Quick, speedy recovery. recovery. Yep. That's all you can say. I didn't see the injury. I know they cut away from the TV. I didn't even look for it. Um, I did see it. but I yeah. saw it happen live. Okay. I didn't think it was as bad. And I don't mean like it's not as bad as it looks. It looked bad. Yeah. It's not the worst injury. Because like, when ESPN came back and they were like, we're not going to reshow it. Yeah. We're not in that. Even though they showed like Tua getting a concussion four thousand times, it was like the top. 10 well, that was play. Amazon, to be fair. Oh, okay. Was, yeah, Amazon was like, yeah. Jeff okay. Bezos was like, show it. <laughs> so sorry, ESPN. I didn't mean to throw you under the bus. Um, but it, it it was one of those injuries where clearly something bad happened. Right. But it wasn't. Okay. I, I I just don't like the idea of ESPN being like, it's too graphic. We're not going to show it because then your mind jumps to like when that Louisville player in the final oh, four bro- in basketball yeah, broke his yeah, leg yeah. and stuff Oof, like that. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't one of those kind of injuries, but it was the leg bent the way it's not supposed to bend. Yeah. And there's no need to go on and, and search it out or look for it. You just, like you said, speedy recovery. Yeah. Hopefully wish he comes him well. back He's obviously stronger. a key, po- he's a key player. Um, after, after his exit, uh, which was super early and, um, you know, they. I think Javon Wright came in. They had to resh- they had to reshuffle guys, just like when when Farmer was out against uh, the Michigan Michigan game, um, and so that kind of throws things off with the pass coverage and stuff for them. And so, and you saw that kind of come back to to yeah. to haunt us. And so, he's obviously a critical player, but um, but just as a as a as a person, right? As a young man, mm-hmm. you just hope that that he recovers well. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, guys that, that um, really stood out, Hausman again, yep. another phenomenal game. Holy cow, this kid's a true freshman. Yeah. In the middle of our defense. And he knows how to tackle backwards. He knows how to drive guys back when he hits them. Yeah. Right? They're not fighting for the first down with him. He's pushing you back. Yeah. Um, the first the first few times he was in with, like, Heinrich out, uh, with Reimer out and that sort of thing, like you watch, you're like, man, this is a true freshman. He's a liability. You see, yeah, you saw and some of the mistakes. It'd be for real sure. easy for a true freshman to keep riding that and and not do what he's doing. But this kid found another gear. He's mm-hmm. continued to work, and boy, howdy, is he fun to watch. Yes, and I just trust yeah. when he's pursuing that he's going to make the tackle. Yeah, in the run, in run coverage and in pass coverage. Yep. I mean, he seems like he could be a real like jack of all trades there. Um, a guy that can just kind of become that that centerpiece for your defense and and run the show, um, so that's super cool. Uh, and I and I marked down he I think he overshadowed Nick Herbig on the other side. Well, Herbig but made I, a but I know Herbig I know. had his own game, but uh, but I mean I mean from I'm looking forward to from talking the, about from, Mr. Herbig. Yeah, what a God. we don't we don't dookie Steve on Badger. on <laughs> on college kids, but. I got some thoughts on her. Yeah, but as far as just play, just yes. play goes, I think um, for for the amount of time that Herbig was in, 
Hausman was clearly outperforming. Yeah. So for whatever that's worth, um, Colton Feast spent a lot of oh the time in gosh. Wisconsin's back backfield. Great game from great, Feast. Great, great penetration, as they say. Um, and then Malcolm Hartzog had the interception again. Dude's a little ball hawk. I it was obviously it was an ugly lob pass from from Mercy in the Wind, but it doesn't yeah. matter. He got up there and he got. He the turned ball. his head around like you saw him turn his head around and find the ball immediately. Yeah, and and it wasn't one of those things where it was just a lame duck pass. I mean, it was one of those where he could have easily continued to pursue the receiver, but because he was playing the coverage right, because he turned around to look for the ball when the receiver did, because he did things the right way, he was in position, and that ball was poorly thrown. The wind got to it. There was mm-hmm. a defender short, which was Hartzog, who got the interception. There was also the safety long, who was ready for it as well. That was a very well-covered pass, yeah. regardless of, of what the wind did to the ball or, or how Mertz threw it. It's kind of a 50-50 guess. Did Mertz throw it shitty or was it the wind? Because you never know with, <laughs> yeah. with Mertz. But, you know, Hartzog, again, doing things the right way and, and yeah. always being active and in the game makes good stuff happen. Yeah. Another touchdown drive comes right after it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just... Uh, Nebraska has so many guys who I think are really Hausman came in with some um, expectations but I think Nebraska's defense definitely has guys who um, came in under the radar who just developed over the season who you're watching grow and you get to continue to watch you know their their careers hopefully take off yeah but then you you list down feast is a walk-on yeah who I I believe earned a scholarship Mm -hmm. you've got Reimer walk-on earns a scholarship you've got freshmen in Houseman and Hartzog who are in there not just in you know a few snaps here and there significant time making significant plays like the future is bright the talent is there and there's some talent within the state who if you can re-drum up the excitement to play for Nebraska to to play for Big Red and and play with that kind of pride you're going to get players on top of it like Garrett Nelson who are fighting for everything because this university means more than just the colors or the state or any like this is a source of of home pride yeah like you're fighting for home and so yeah. you give them an identity you give them a way to row a boat in a similar direction that's not oh, <laughs> wow shut it down yeah i'm done no just kidding but you you give them all the same target and if we yeah. can start moving in that direction man build an identity on the offensive side continue to develop the talent that's on this defensive side of the ball i again i don't think you're going to have a team that uh, fails to meet expectations and maybe a bowl game next year. I think you get the right guy in and, and with what Trev's doing and the, the silence and the trust that Trev's department has. Yeah. Apparently like that no rumor really has legs. I don't even think the media has a real idea. Nobody does on any level. Yeah. Nobody knows yeah, what from, the fuck's going on. From the on. Matt Sorry, Rule rumors to the Leopold to Kleiman to like, I just don't know. I have no idea. And yeah. and I was with family last night, and they were like, so, you know, Mr. Podcast, who do you think it's going to be? <laughs> and I was like, I have no idea because nobody knows. Trev knows. Maybe his secretary knows. And maybe the head coach. And I would say the fourth person might be the wife of that head coach. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if even she doesn't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those <laughs> right. things where it just feels so well kept. Mm-hmm. And and I'm just excited to have Saban here. <laughs> There it is, folks. Breaking news. <laughs> oh, man. Wouldn't that be a thing? Holy what shit. <laughs> Let's not even... No. Don't even go there. Breaking news. Local podcast <laughs> has officially announced Nick Saban. Um, oh, God. On offense, I wanted to shout out Omar Manning as well. And Omar had one catch yesterday. It was an, an amazing effort catch. Dove out, laid out for it. But there's something going on with Omar. 
And I, I just want to highlight, you know, his his struggles with mental health have been well publicized. He's spoken to The Athletic about it. It's something where he continues to fight through it and is trying to kind of find himself as a player, but also as a person. And I think it says a whole lot when of all the players that are on this team that Mickey Joseph has a past history with, that when Mickey walks out of the tunnel, Omar Manning is to his left, that Omar Manning is laying out for catches when he hasn't been an active part of this offense for a very long time, that when Trey Palmer is running into the end zone wide open, who's the one decoying the receivers away? It's Omar Manning. Again, this isn't a guy who's had crazy numbers at at all at Nebraska. He's had a few key touchdowns, a few key passes and things like that. But he's the kind of grinder that I get behind, who I want on my side, who I look at. And when I when I see that touchdown pass to Trey Palmer, I'm standing up and shouting for Omar Manning just as much as I am for Palmer because he was crucial to that play. And he was crucial to that route. And he was crucial to selling it because had the defenders peeled off and gone to Palmer, the ball's coming to Omar and Omar's ready. Yeah, And he's showing that. And so that's one of the things I really do like about Mickey is he's giving these guys a chance. He's putting these guys in in these positions to be like, look, you're, you're showing something or I know something about you. And I'm not just going to go with my normal dudes. I'm going to kind of mix this up. But you got to earn it, too. And then you're seeing on those passes when it's a four-yard pass and Omar's putting his entire body out there to make the catch. And then there's a penalty, so the catch doesn't even count. The ball gets moved. But I just want to highlight that, too, that, yeah. like, those are the guys that I continue to, to, to watch games for and that I continue to want to talk about on the podcast and, and shout them out more because, like, that's how you build a program. That's how you find identity identities. That is your identity, right? Is like, we're going to be dogs. We're going to fight. We're going to lay ourselves out there. We're going to do everything we can. I don't care if I'm at the very back of the line. I'm going to push as hard as I can because I know it affects the guys up front. Yeah. So. That's cool. And that's important right now. Like, I don't Like, we're obviously in one of the worst periods in Nebraska history. I think it's the worst. If not the worst. I mean, it's probably the worst because we're living it. They didn't have but. podcasts the last time Nebraska <laughs> never made yeah, bowl games. That's right. This is the worst. Oh, uh, it's It's rough, but like. But there is still, yeah, there's always it's worse, but something. it's not enough to make me stop. <laughs> oh, I'll never stop. It ain't that bad. <laughs> but it's, there's always something to celebrate, man. Like, yeah. There really is. And, and uh, you know, as bad as it is or as, as tough as it feels as a fan to, to watch, like, you're still on the outside looking in. Like, you're not, yeah. I'm not living this every day, man. Like, if when they, when they lose, I, I can check out and watch the fucking Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Uh, and drink a beer for my therapy. And then I can take a week off and just show up, you know, drag yeah. my ass out of bed for the next game. Like, these guys are, <laughs> these are, these are 100 and almost 50 kids or whatever each, you know, each year, each morning, they're grinding it out. Yeah. Um, putting in the work and they're, doing it with all this fucking noise sorry yeah. Kathy all this noise around I'm like assholes like us in our basement your basement um with with social media with um you know pressure from now I think there's probably incredible pressure for like guys like O'Shawn Mathis and and Casey Thompson who are coming in with uh you know with with NIL with big announcements with national media um all that attention like they're they're putting in work like yeah. the the results aren't there but like I have no doubt about it like a, a significant portion of these dudes are fucking giving it their all. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, it should be celebrated. And I, and that's why we have this podcast. It's not to shit on teams like Iowa. It's not to I stroke mean. our own egos. <laughs> it's definitely not to listen to ourselves talk. I promise. Um. It's to, yeah, it's just, it's to celebrate 
you know, people who, who wear the N on the helmet. And, Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, it's 100% why we do it, you know, is, is because these kids put so much, like we both went to college. We know how hard it is just to go to class. Can you imagine? I sure didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, went. I, I spent a semester in Lincoln and I, I passed one class because yeah. it's the only one I showed up to. <laughs> Well, but I guess what I'm sorry, saying is... Sorry, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> but to tack on everything that goes into being a football player or any kind of athlete at a university where there's the travel, there's the, you know, the pra- I almost said rehearsals. You can tell I went to school for theater. <laughs> there's, there's the travel, there's the practice, there's the media, there's the NIL, there's the having to have a job because some of these guys are walk-on still with playing time, yeah. but they've got to pay for class too. Like everything that goes into it and like you said, for us just to show up on Saturday and, and be critical is is not fair. And and it's I refuse to be that kind of fan. And I get that there's people like that that are out there. And there's people who give more money to the university than I do. And they feel like they can say that. Or there's people who give to NILs and they feel like those kids have to perform at a, at a point. But they're also still kids. They're, they're, they're young men. They're half our age almost. And it's like when I was that age, like, man... I would I would not have handled any of this <laughs> with with right? as much grace and perseverance and fight as the least engaged player on this team. Like they would have been like, man, he's a problem. <laughs> they would have gone to the press oh, conferences man. and been like, you know, what 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 did you feel was the reason you guys lost? And everyone would have been like, it was Ben. Like it was one hundred percent. Like that guy's just a ben, shitty yeah. attitude. Sorry, Kathy, but he's just got a p- bad attitude. He says the worst things in the locker room. <laughs> Every time we run out of the tunnel, he goes, well, here we go again. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so Nick yeah. Herbig. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's touch on Nick. All right. First off, um, by rule, that was targeting. Yes. It, it might have been one of the one of the least offensive targetings I've ever seen. Still targeting. Uh-huh. I think it's a garbage rule. I happen to love the rule on Saturday. It's a great rule on Saturday. When it works for you, it's incredible. It's just yeah, like replay. It w- yep. I, I love it, except I hate it. Yep. And then I hate it, but then I love it. Yes. Um, but I thought when you were target, like when you got thrown out for targeting, you were in the locker you're room. Gone. You were literally you're ejected, you're ejected from, the from the game. And you don't get to play. I don't think you get to play if it's in the second half. You don't even get to play in the next half of the next game. Yeah. Like it's you're you're it's, you shouldn't it's be four there. quarters like yeah. or or the equivalent. of... I, so when he ran back on the field and they called 19, I was like, oh, they must have an, another another guy. Another 19. <laughs> a really important 19 on their team, yeah. And then, no. and then the commentators <laughs> were just like, you can't do that to a kid. It's like, well, yeah, you can when he's not supposed to be <laughs> yeah. there. He got ejected twice. <laughs> yeah, the fact that they were like defending him, like, oh, this is ticky-tacky, and it's not in the spirit of the rules. No, it's the fucking rule. Sorry, Kathy, it's the rule. You'd like, And yeah, he should not have been there. And any, if anything, like, if you're... If you're on the sideline when you're not supposed to be on the sideline, stay on the stay on the sideline. Yeah. Wait for your guys to come to you and then celebrate yeah. your secret. Yeah. And then you can keep watching the game. Or like just go change and put on a hoodie. Yeah. Like <laughs> anything. Or just anything like take take the vest from the ball guy. They can even <laughs> celebrate. Like the ball guys sometimes high five people because they come yeah, with the team. Right. Oh, so I, that was just funny. I was like, why? How? And that. Yeah. And then it was only the fact that a player who's been ejected once. And then gets another unsportsmanlike. That's his first. It's like, well, technically, it's like his fifteenth at this point. Like, like every single play that he's on the sideline. I'm, is I'm a pretty sure he's breaking the law at this point. It's not even. 
I don't. I mean, I don't know if the lawyers at Herdat can check that for us, but I'm pretty sure it's illegal. He's, he's trespassing. He's not at that allowed point. to go back. He's in Lancaster County Jail right now. Yeah. yeah good. Um. Good. No. I and I will say so. His targeting penalty, like you said, yeah, it was yeah. It, I mean, was it was by the book. It definitely was what it, what it was, even yeah. if it wasn't egregious. But Hausman, later in the game, Mertz slid, and you saw Hausman was Superman. W- flew into yeah. it, like, and you watched the slow mo Matrix type move where he pull he pulls his shoulder back, yeah. gets his arm out of the way. I mean, completely changes his body yeah. to get over her, over Mertz and not even touch him. Yeah, it's so for I, I know it's it's got to be so goddamn hard. To do that, but it's possible. Yeah, and and so at that point, I was like, "Yeah, I don't." I mean, I didn't feel bad for her big anyway, getting kicked out. No, no, twice. no. I um, I was screaming oh. in my basement, which is also where I watched yeah. the game. <laughs> I am allowed in other parts of my home, just in case <laughs> people are curious. I just this is actually the only time you get food during the week. I come yeah, is my beard. Food, so I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I was. Yeah, it was. It was. It's, Wasn't that? That's weird that that happened, right? Like that's a weird thing that he got ejected from twice. a game twice. Yeah, it's probably the first time it's ever happened. And then honestly. like him walking in the tunnel and kind of like looking back, like you expect to hear some sort of Hallmarky sad song. It's like sad. He's take having to take off his elbow support. Like this isn't fair. They always kick me out when I get two ejectable calls. Uh, the fact that it didn't help that we still lost, like okay, their two stars were either hurt or gone for half the game. The 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 one complaint I on have because I thought the officiating was actually a little bit more in Nebraska's favor this game. Like it it, re- it was one of those games where it felt like Nebraska was getting a lot of calls they don't normally get in the past. When Mertz threw the first touchdown pass in the back corner of the end zone, and I think Clark was in coverage. Uh, and and Caleb Tanner was in pursuit, and he was close to him. When they slowed that down, and you got the straight-on look from behind Mertz and into Caleb's face, Caleb Tanner had two guys, one on each side of him, two offensive linemen, both with their arms wrapped around his head. I don't know what the rules are on holding, but I think it's that. Like, I think that's part of it. That's probably holding. But I will also say, you don't tackle with your head. So, probably wasn't impeding him too much, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but, I mean... You know, ask Eric Crouch how it feels to have your neck <laughs> twisted. Uh, that that was where I was like, man, they slowed that down, and I'm, I don't, I don't know the rules inside and out, um, but I'm pretty sure you can't grab a player's head from yeah. both sides. Yeah, but I guess when you're holding from both sides, it's steady. Is it's it not a, being twisted one way or go, the other. Yeah. Is it a? Is it they cancel each other out? It's a double negative. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the wow. Wisconsin game. We can move on now. We yeah. can move on. Let's absolutely move on. But before we move on, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our very special show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. Longtime listeners of the show know Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. The craft beer industry has a $600 million impact in Nebraska alone. When you drink craft beer, you're supporting local small businesses, something that's important now more than ever. If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can support the NCBG by joining the Nebraska Beer Alliance. Being a member gives you access to exclusive discounts, Nebraska beer merch, and members-only information. You can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting nebraska.beer.
Well, Drew, before we move into talking about Iowa versus Nebraska, let's let's raise a glass to the state of Iowa as they are going to play host to the game with our Iowa Sportsman Sip. And this week we are drinking a beer from Toppling Goliath, which is a very well-known, a very popular brewery, a very yeah. prolific brewery. Some call it the best brewery in the country. I would certainly say it ranks way up there. They, yes. they are known for their Kentucky style barrel bourbon stout, the KBBS, which is given uh, a lottery in the wintertime, and it's oftentimes ranked as the best beer the United States produces. So that's how they've kind of earned that ranking there. We are not drinking that. I did not win that lottery. I've tried. I try every year. Dang it. I feel like I'm going to win master's <laughs> tickets before I win that lottery. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, so we are actually drinking term oil, which uh, when said fast enough is term oil, which... Uh, you know, it feels fitting, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, this so is a barrel-aged stout with natural and artificial flavors, and it is a s'mores-flavored barrel-aged stout. What are your initial thoughts on, on this beer? Well, so, okay, so I will say, normally, s'more, s'mores beers, I don't enjoy. I don't. I think they have too much of that, like, artificial sweetness, um, all the all the, the chocolate, the marshmallow, the graham, yeah. all paired with... Um, Everything you got going on with like beer, uh, for whatever reason, it doesn't jive with me. Mm-hmm. But I will say that this one's actually pretty good. Um, I think that the fact that it's so big, like it's yeah. so boozy, twelve mm-hmm. percent. Um, yeah, it is a twelve percenter. I think that that with the sweetness, um, with uh, it, it's like it does have that like, sort of like oily feel to it. But you you noted that it is carbonated enough. Um, like all those elements kind of come together to make this pretty enjoyable yeah definitely not like uh one that you're gonna sit back and drink like two two or three yeah. of. I, I guess we should great... note that we're splitting a single can of this because it is one of those beers where it feels like this is one i would share amongst friends for everyone to try yes but like you yeah. said yeah i'm not gonna pour a pint glass of this right yeah it's 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 too much it's you limit it it's like a dessert you limit yeah. you enjoy and it's in it's enjoyable I, I do think it is um it is really good i and i honestly like toppling goliath like you said, one of the best in the country. It, it is one of my favorite breweries. And I hate oh, yeah. to say it, Iowa has so many good breweries. Iowa Iowa puts, you know, some serious competition against guys like Minnesota, against Michigan, California. They do really great beer. Yeah. Um, Millstream ranks up there. Peacetree, uh, Back Pocket, who we had last year, is really yeah. good. Um, they've got Westo out of yeah. Okaboji, so yeah. lots of them. This uh this this beer is actually made in Decorah, Iowa, and I've been fortunate enough to actually drive out there. I did win one of their bottle lotteries uh, a couple years ago. The Assassin, I think. The Assassin, yeah. which was also a really a really great. strong, really seriously good barrel aged yeah. stout. Um, it's a beautiful beautiful town, a lot of cliffs. I don't I don't know if a lot of people know that Iowa has like these beautiful vistas and, and nice bluffs, and it's it's really wasted on the people. <laughs> of- <laughs> Um, this is not the only brewery in Decorah, and a lot of people will actually cite that like some of the other breweries benefit from having Toppling Goliath nearby because then people get to try their beer, and some folks actually yeah. prefer some of the other breweries. I think it might be also like the cool thing to say, like, yeah, I went to Decorah, and I and I liked this other brewery better than Toppling Goliath. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to rank breweries. You know, they they have their national renown, but a lot of a lot of breweries locally have won national awards for their beer. They've got gold medals and silver medals and bronze medals and stuff like that. And as we sit here, if we're really comparing beer to beer that we drank today, I think you and I both agree, Nebraska wins this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this yeah. porter from 505 is something that I would drink 
much more consistently than I would turn to another can of this. This is, this is a fun experience, one time sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this isn't something that I would I would return to. Correct. Same like Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> like, Which we're gonna we're gonna. I was go, gonna yeah. say we we can we can now finally formally Woo! announce to everyone listening. Drew and I will be attending this. I know Iowa you're all game, so excited, and we will be close enough. To where we could get kicked out if we yell the wrong thing. <laughs> we're gonna be right behind Nebraska's bench. We're on Nebraska's side. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be Which cheering is, our boys yeah. along. Yes, we are going to be giving it our all as they give their all to take Iowa out of contention for the Big Ten West. Oh, sweet Jesus! I have broken down um, the Big Ten West yeah. and, and all the possible scenarios. Before is, you dive into uh, that, let me throw out just the facts. Okay, and okay. then you you tell us all the scenarios of how insane this conference is. It's narrowed down after after this past uh, week's games, and it's still a page and a half of information. So, on Friday, November 25th, the Cornhuskers will travel to Iowa City to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Kickoff is scheduled for 3 p.m. and will air on the Big Ten Network. Iowa is led by head coach and known nosebleeder Kirk Ferentz in his 24th season. He holds a record of 184 and 114 as the Hawkeyes head coach. Nebraska is led by interim head coach Mickey Joseph in his seventh game at the helm. Joseph holds a 2-5 and five record in the interim spot. Friday marks the 53rd meeting between these two squads, with Nebraska holding the 29-20-3 and three advantage, the largest margin of victory, 57 to nothing in 1980, and the longest win streak of eight games. Vegas has the Hawkeyes favored at home, and the, the spread actually took off. Um, I think it opened real low, like around 3.5, then it blew up to like 9.5 and, and is sitting at about 10. In favor of Iowa? In favor of Iowa. It's really gone up. Why? They they must think it's going to be ten to nothing if that's the case. Yeah. Like that's a the serious one. And I and I think okay. I made a mistake. Mickey will be coaching his eighth game. Okay, not yeah, his yeah, seventh game. Two and five. Yeah. My apologies. So Mickey will be in his eighth Should game, apologize. but he holds a two and five record yeah. at the moment as interim. So before we start talking specifics about Iowa's offense, which doesn't exist, their defense, their special <laughs> teams, tell us what the Big Ten West looks like and what this game implications okay. are moving forward okay so it, it has clarified so Il- illinois loss was really interesting um but it's not as crazy complicated as it was before i think before there was like five teams in contention also like of, everyone but nebraska it was, was in you, contention well, and northwestern yeah we're not alone misery loves company you are not alone <laughs> so there's there's only three teams that can win the west at this point so um minnesota and wisconsin are playing each other their game has zero bearing on the results of this, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, but either one of those teams technically could finish atop the Big Ten West in a three or a four way tie. The least sexy three way or four way. I was just going to make the same <laughs> joke. Hey, oh, oh, they're right. That's low hanging fruit. There. It is. Okay. So um, just, just to simplify, uh, just real quick Iowa wins the Big Ten West if Iowa wins against Nebraska, or, which they won't. Or Iowa loses and Purdue loses and Illinois loses. Okay. Okay. So Iowa can lose and still win. Purdue. Oh, Brian Ferentz is licking his chops. He's like, (laughs) we can. (laughs) (laughs) Purdue wins the Big Ten West if Iowa loses and Purdue wins. Okay. Illinois can still win the Big Ten West, even though they're trying to just give it away. Yeah. If Iowa loses and Purdue loses and Illinois wins. Who does Illinois have? Northwestern. So oh, it's all the okay. rivalry. So like Illinois has Northwestern, Purdue has Indiana. Like they've got some some gimmies. Iowa has Nebraska, Nebraska which is not a gimme. Not a gimme. Really it's not. You know, when you're seeing and, the way that Nebraska's playing these mid-tier Big 10 West teams, they're games. 
they've at least figured out how to they've at least figured out how to play a Big Ten game. Yeah, they, they haven't figured out how to win one yet outside of you know Rutgers, Indiana, but they can ugly them up and they can just they can just get down and, and have a rock fight. Yeah, they take the last rock to the forehead. They're like Goliath. Um, they get they get knocked out, but they a least- toppling Goliath. <laughs> oh, hey. Um. But yeah, so so Iowa definitely has the best chance. They're the they're now in control of their own destiny, but they they have to win to guarantee their spot. Okay. So Nebraska has something to play for. Yes, they ruining Iowa ruin, season. Well, <laughs> yeah, they can they can ruin it in the sense that they can knock them out of the out of the Big Ten championship. Let, let me ask you this: Would the win mean more if <laughs> Nebraska were to beat Iowa? Would it mean more if Iowa then got knocked out of contention with Purdue winning? Or does it mean the same? Like, since Iowa can still get in if Purdue does drop that game, does oh, it it still it still means the same because you're still yeah. it's yeah Nebraska is not that's the correct Nebraska, answer. Yeah, yeah, I just I just want to beat <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> Nebraska is not playing to like Iowa is who they are, right? Yeah. And honestly, if Iowa gets if Iowa does not have to go to the Big Ten championship game, um, it's not like they're gonna it's not like they're gonna win the Big Ten. Nobody's gonna win the Nobody from the West is going to win the Big Ten. Oh, it's it's going to be Ohio State or Michigan. I don't right? know if if Illinois somehow finds a way in, <laughs> they, they, and if Michigan finds a way in, ooh. I think there's enough bad blood there that there might be a game. It's hard to beat the same team twice, especially with especially his, when his, the referees well, fucked you over. Sorry, yeah. Kathy, but those referees, man, there were some late late calls that were not made. Yeah. Um, anyway, okay, so let's start to, talking about Iowa's offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, moving on to Iowa's defense. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, roasted. <laughs> um, hey. The first note I have is their offense is not good. I what? Think, I think that's fair to say. Where did you see that? Right. Yeah. Uh, what, I, what I show in, in my research, and this is research that's done uh, before Saturday's game against Minnesota, but I actually think that if I were to factor this in, it would actually make the, the numbers worse. <laughs> right, their 13 to 10 barn burner So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Iowa scores a touchdown every 7.88 possessions. Even with Nebraska's most recent offensive woes, the Huskers still average a touchdown every four and a half possessions. Iowa's average touchdown drive is only 35 yards. So when they're scoring, it's because they don't have a whole lot to go. Nebraska's average scoring touchdown drive, though, is 71.38 yards. So Nebraska's actually become pretty efficient when they do score in moving the ball. Nebraska has been able to, when they find a recipe for a success against these defenses, get the ball moving downfield. And if they figure that thing out, if they find a way to make it move and the weather cooperates with with the way that the ball needs to be thrown through the air for that to work, <laughs> or if Grant's making the right cuts, Nebraska can move the ball and score. The other thing that I think is interesting about this offense is, in past years, Iowa's had a pretty decent offensive line. Not this year. Before the Minnesota game, they had given up 33 sacks, and Spencer Petras does nothing to help that offensive line out. He sits in that pocket like he's wearing cement shoes and that Brian Ferentz threw him in the water to sink. Like, it's it's bad. And this, this Iowa offense is prone to giving that up because they don't have the wide receivers to make it easy on him, right? And they're not calling anything fancy or anything like that, but they also tend to opt for these idiotic play-action passes even when the defenses are getting good push against that offensive line. They're just making Petrus take more time to throw the ball. <laughs> and if you go back and watch the, the Wisconsin-Iowa game, it is 
mind- why would why would you? But. I, I did. <laughs> it is it is mind numbing to think with how frequently Herbig was giving Petrus hugs that they lost that game because yeah. they were just constantly in the backfield. Um, Iowa scores a touchdown for every 132 yards they gain, but they only average 250 yards per game. So they're averaging 1.9 touchdowns a game. So it's kind of a crapshoot. Will they score one touchdown or will they score two touchdowns? But that's pretty much it. Like, Will it be their defense or will it be their defense? Well, their defense has scored Sp- five touchdowns yeah. this year. Uh, and, and that's like, what, 25% of their touchdowns or 20% of their touchdowns? Something insane like that? Yeah. Uh, but... For me, the, the key to this Iowa offense, if you want to beat them, is just shut down the run whatsoever and then force them into passing situations because Nebraska is going to have success against this line. The way that Nelson is playing, the way that Houseman is playing, the way that O'Shawn Mathis is showing his athleticism late in the game, the way that Feast and Wynn and Drew are all playing right now, Ty Robinson, if he's healthy, uh, Huttmacher's doing a great job of plugging that that front hole as, as a nose guard as well. Like If those guys are playing to their best abilities... I don't think that Iowa moving the ball is going to be the issue. Correct. Iowa's offense is not going to be the issue against the way this Nebraska team has played week after week under Bill Bush. Thoughts? <laughs> um, I mean, I just got I, – I can keep piling on with, with more numbers uh... – Regarding their offense, I like that we're we're front loading the shit talking. Let's let's talk <laughs> yeah, about their offense, it. and then we'll talk about their defense. Yeah, we got to get we eventually have to get around to that. But um, so they they have scored. I our numbers might be a little different, but I was doing this um haphazardly on my own, and so okay, so I I came up with they had a, they have 192 points total, just that's how many they've scored. Sure, okay, 32 of those points have come. From def- directly from defense and special teams. Yeah. So actually I have a touchdown list, but whatever. Disregard they, that. They Doesn't scored a touchdown yesterday, I believe, defensively. Okay. Against Minnesota. Maybe I didn't. Maybe that's not in my calculations. Maybe. Maybe Either they way, did. It know. feels like they probably did. <laughs> they probably did. Watching right. the I game. Think, I think they get one automatically yeah, at the beginning of the game. They put them up seven. The defense gets the yeah. credit. <laughs> oh, it was. It was Campbell had a scoop and score. Okay. Yep. Cool. Well, there it is. Okay, so then either way, take these numbers for what they are. Um, their offense has scored 160 points. 71 of those points have followed a turnover created by their defense, a blocked kick, or if the offense had less than 50 yards to go. Yeah. Um, they have 21 points or three touchdown drives of that, are, that have gone between 50 and 59 yards following a turnover on downs mm-hmm. in which the opposing team punted. Um, 124 points then... From defense, special teams, turnovers, block kicks, short field, under sixty yards to go, which is sixty five percent. Like they ha- they have to have something go right in the other phase of the game, in one of the other phases of the yeah. game, for their offense to do anything, someone, anything at all. Someone not related to the head coach has to do something <laughs> right in order for them to be. It's almost like successful. nepotism is bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So and that and that's going to be the key to this to this game, right? Nebraska's defense. Has to has to, and their special teams has to do what Iowa does. They just have to match them, right? Like, yeah, just just keep Iowa with their back against their own end zone, yeah, as much as you can. Sure, and I think the way you do that, especially the way that our linebackers and our secondary are playing in coverage, is you just you trust that they're going to run the ball as often as they're going to run the ball and maybe a little bit more, you sell out against the run and just trust yourself in man situations. Yeah. Right. Like you've got athletes on your side, these Iowa receivers, 
they don't have the experience in in making the big plays and key moments, except for maybe Sam Laporta, who's got you know the most receiving yards on the team, and I think it's like twelve. You know, <laughs> no, it's like he's got about five to six hundred yards, mm-hmm. and he's their top receiver, and they don't really turn to him a whole lot, even in times of need. They're just going to try and maybe uh, run the ball, and and even then, like this isn't an offensive line of the past for Iowa. This is an offensive line that is is struggling throughout the year. So we're we're kind of putting weakness against weakness in this game, where Nebraska's have a, had a struggling offensive line, and people are able to get in our backfield. Same same things have have uh, caused struggle against Iowa. The difference is when we start talking about their defense. Yeah, and this is a defense that just creates turnovers. Can I throw out one? Because I want to yeah. keep shitting on them. Yeah, I'm not sure, ready sure, sure, sure. I don't want to. I don't want to talk yet about how about the good parts of Iowa. Okay, and this and it, again, I think actually it is important to to think about this in terms of how can Nebraska win this game? Yeah. Um, defensively, how can they shut things down? One thing Nebraska has really struggled with, and they've gone up against some incredible running backs and some really great offensive lines, but they need to stop. Iowa on first and second down. Yes. And just stop them from running the ball. Yeah. They give up. Um, Nebraska allows, all right, our defense is allowed on the year 4.9 yards per carry on first and second down. They're giving up half the yards needed for a first down. And that feels like these past, you know, that feels like an, uh, a, a decreased number based on the way that these past few weeks have shown against these incredible, like the Chase Browns, the Blake Corums, the Braylon Allens. Like those guys have gotten much more than that even when you have a special back nebraska's really struggled in, on first downs against those guys right yes so nebraska has allowed 1924 rushing yards on first and second down the season on 392 attempts mm. okay by comparison just by comparison iowa's defense has allowed 1198 rushing yards total on the season oh total oh on only 398 attempts only six more attempts they have almost eight what like 750 less yards okay i okay. thought we weren't talking about defense yet <laughs> no, i know he kind of jumped it i just had to i just had to put that in perspective like you know five yards per carry on first and second down is bad um but that's that's just the the gap that nebraska yeah. has to cover okay so we have faced we faced brown we faced ibrahim quorum and allen um and even malusi had a, I think a, a better game now, and obviously he's playing healthy. Um, you're going up against a guy in Caleb Johnson who averages five yards a carry on the season. He's not had as many totes. He doesn't have as many yards. He's not as, you know, running behind as good of an offensive line or an efficient offense. But if we can just if we can just buckle down on those on first and second down, man, like just you got to get him into third and long. Yeah. Ha- and that's how you force a team to uh, play offensively through their quarterback throwing the ball. Right is stopping them on the running downs. And so if Nebraska can do that more often than not, like, you know, it's not going to happen every time, but more often than not, um, that's where you can see maybe the avenue towards winning. And and this is where I want to see that decision being made early on, right? Like, we're going to force you to throw the ball. We're going to sell out against the run. And if you're going to beat us through the air, you're going to beat us through the air. But we're going to load that box, and we're going to make sure that – you're not running past us. Yeah. And that's what I want to see. Like, I'm okay if we come out of the game with a loss and that's the strategy of, like, we're making this conscious decision to attack you in this way because we know that your quarterback's garbage and that our secondary is better than your receivers. Like, you know, put that confidence in your guys. Like, this is how yeah. we're going to attack Iowa. And if we see that early on and it's effective, man, 
I know that you and I will be yelling. I know that you and I will be having a great time, but I also think everyone uh, around the state who's watching the game is going to feel like we've got another shot against this team and we can maybe spoil the end of their season Yeah. until we start with Nebraska's offense against their defense. Because <laughs> now we can get into this it. This yeah. is another one of those fucking top, sorry, Kathy, 25 defenses, <laughs> top 10 defenses, depending on what numbers you're looking at. I mean, these guys just don't allow points. They just they, they just choke these teams. What I found is that through ten games, Iowa has given up thirteen point nine points per game. Now they gave up ten points to Minnesota, so that average is a little bit lower now. But if you take their best and worst performance, they average ten point six points per game. We saw that this weekend when they played Minnesota, they gave up ten points. This Iowa is a team that plays to their averages, and you've got to be damn good. You've got to know how you're going to attack them, and you've got to be quick and efficient in order to get points nebraska when you look at nebraska's defense they give up 29.9 points per game over the course of the entire year but if you take away their best and worst they're at 29.6 so nebraska's really coming on late playing against their average they're getting better as the season's worn on a lot of the bigger blowouts have taken place in the front half of the season with higher quality offenses and opponents so when they're facing an offense that's struggling like a wisconsin like an iowa nebraska's able to hold these guys it's just we got to get that one more score. It's that one more score that would have got us over the edge with Wisconsin, that would have got us over the edge with Minnesota, that would have really changed the dynamic of this season. Yeah, they are. They really are like that close. They're again, they've learned how to grind it out. They've learned how to play the dirty, ugly rock fight games. Um, this oh, is. I have one more stat. Yeah, no, that please, I want to throw out there. Please do. When it comes to Iowa's defense, um, so Cooper DeGene, um is the leading touchdown receiver for Iowa and you might be thinking well that why are you bringing that up now well Cooper DeGene plays on the defense he has more receiving touchdowns he has more interceptions for touchdowns than any like no one on the offense is is better than him there's a couple of guys who've matched him but no one's better than him so That's... their best their best receiver is a, a DB wow okay so I I love I love stats and I did find I found a a bunch that are, I thought were great. Yeah, for like great towards Iowa. So I guess I guess I should say <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. So Casey needs to be making <laughs> that's good my decisions. One. Yes. And receivers yes. need to be mindful as well of if they can't get to a ball, knock it down. You're gonna have to play defense because this is an Iowa team that creates turnovers, and they, for whatever reason, Iowa is so great at intercepting the ball. Last year, you were like, they can't keep this up, and they've. Almost continued to keep. To be fair, I said they couldn't be a top five, and they're not. I think they're like 13th. <laughs> it's just insane. I gave them a really high bar to clear. When, this, when it comes to this defense, not only are they stopping the run in the pass, but they're creating turnovers, and that's why teams aren't scoring against them, is yeah. they're doing the Iowa thing, which is they're getting the ball back to their offense to do nothing even with if, it. Even if, the, yeah, I was say, even if, even if Iowa's offense goes nowhere following a turnover, they still stop you. Yeah. Like they still... And they still put your defense back out there. Yeah. Um, so okay. So yeah. sorry anyway, to, to, no, to jump okay. the gun. Let's let's hear it. What are your thoughts I, on this Iowa defense? So some things that I just put down. So I want to I want to make a caveat. Right. Nebraska's uh, offense has looked discombobulated. One yep. might say. Right. Okay. But their final seven games of the season, including Iowa, we will we have faced or will have faced the twenty sixth scoring offense or excuse me the twenty sixth scoring defense, thirty fourth, second, seventh, third, twelfth, and sixth. In that order. Jesus. Okay, that's seven straight in the top 34. This is nationally. 
in FBS, five straight in the top 12, and four of the last five within the top seven nationally in just scoring defense. Oh, my gosh. Like, these teams don't give up points. And you wonder why the Big Ten and West has a bunch of teams who are, like, five and four. Yeah, only— Four only, and eight, you know? Only— Okay, so Rutgers and Michigan. Like, that's, that's literally, like, the outside of Northwestern. That's the entire Big Ten West. I mean, it's— they know exactly what they're doing. All these teams are built the same. Yeah. On defense, they are built the same. And then on offense, they obviously all have their own little different things going on. Um, Purdue being somewhat of an outlier with, you know, relying on the pass game. But, like, they all, they're all constructed almost in the same way. And, and, it, and that's why you get this parody. And that's why you have Nebraska on the outside looking in. But anyway, um, so we've, we've faced all these defenses um, in a in a year where we, we've lost our head coach, um, we're we're working with our our fucking grandpa that we just found out about, um, who's just this stubborn old man, uh, who's injured. <laughs> like uh, we we've been playing with backup quarterbacks. We've been playing with an offensive line that has just looked completely out of out of sync and a mess you know, through this, this whole process. And so like, just, I, I have to do this for myself, but like, I think just in general, we have to remind ourselves, like we're, we're a mess. Like we do have a messy situation. Oh, yeah. A lot of stuff like yeah. beyond, beyond the control of the players, beyond the control of the coaches. And we're going up against top notch defenses. Yeah. Okay. And we're also going up against programs like a, an Iowa program that's had consistency for 24 seasons. Yes. They've had the same mindset for 24 seasons. I think all of like all of these aside from Wisconsin, Wisconsin's the only one of these programs who doesn't have like a coach that you like even their interim coach like he he fits the program like he's been around well, yeah, for a he, while. He was their defensive coordinator so he has that same lifeblood as he moves into head coach. Yeah, but like like Rutgers has Shiano, Purdue has Brom, uh Illinois has Brett Bielema, Minnesota's got Fleck, Michigan with Harbaugh, Iowa with Ferentz. Like they all have coaches that just like they sync up so well uh with their with their programs with their um athletic department like they're they were either, you know, graduates alumni played for these teams like they all are just so fucking themselves so i don't know we're just we're just going you up say that i was fucking themselves <laughs> i did actually sorry mom uh anyway caveat so question is can we score points yes um, okay answered we moving can, on maybe so iowa has eclipsed 30 points only one time this year it's 33 points against northwestern iowa has scored 14 points or less in six of 11 games they're two and four when scoring 14 or less they're undefeated 5 and 0 when scoring more than 14 points. That's their bar to clear. Oh it's my so incredibly low. Nebraska by the way, when scoring 28 or more points this year were 2 and 3. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. Anyway, yeah. Iowa has has given up 81 points against Iowa or excuse me, against Ohio State and Michigan. Against their nine other opponents, they've given up a total of 68. Oh, my gosh. You're not making this well, easy. I know. This is insane. <laughs> 40 and a half points against the big two from the East. 7.6 against everybody else per game. I was I, changing my prediction total. <laughs> <laughs> here's, what, here's what gives me hope for Nebraska. Yeah. Okay. Time of possession. Okay. I feel like it's been a big bugaboo for Nebraska. It's been bad, yeah. Time of possession is not like you can't just win time of possession to win a game, but it's an I think it's an indicator. Yeah. Right? Like it's a it's a symptom that it can like diagnose an illness. Uh 
Nebraska's time of possession on the year. They rank 125th with 26 minutes and 19 seconds per game. Not not good. No. Okay. Nebraska's conference opponents. And I I excluded Oklahoma and Georgia Southern. Yeah. Um, North Dakota is an FCS, so I don't count them. But okay. Oklahoma and Georgia Southern are really bad at time of possession. Obviously, they both put up a bunch of points on us. Yeah. Um, but I only want to look at the Big Ten because Iowa is like so so Big Tenny mm-hmm. that it, I think that's important. Um, also, because if I include Oklahoma and Georgia Southern, it goes against my argument. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Nebraska against conference opponents. Okay. Time of possession. Minnesota ranks second in the nation. We lost. Michigan, third with a loss. Illinois, ninth loss. Purdue, 14th loss. Wisconsin, 44th loss. Rutgers, 66th. We won. Okay. Northwestern, 98th. We won. Indiana. We, we didn't beat Northwestern. Oh, my guy. shit. <laughs> Your argument Revisionist is history. No, boy. Oh, no. <laughs> We're their one win. Oh, no. What a typo. Okay, well, either way, they're the outlier then. Indiana, 130th. We won. (laughs) I'm looking like a true statistician. I was going to, like, gloss right over that. (laughs) Iowa. (laughs) Iowa ranks 102nd in time of possession, right? And that's partly because the only time they score is on these short drives, but also because they just don't have an offense that can sustain drives. Nebraska at least has a chance. Yeah. To win a time of possession battle, this is going to be so many three and outs. I uh, that was part of my part of my. Uh, if things are going well, Nebraska is getting three and outs, right? And if things are going well, Iowa's getting three and outs. Like it's going to be a lot of punting. Take yeah. the over on however what the whatever the over under is on total punts. Take the over. So speaking of Iowa special teams, man, okay, they got a great punter. They do. They He's really Australian do. too. He's got, he is. Yeah. Did you know that roughly forty percent of his punts end up within the twenty? Like this guy doesn't like this. It's an it's insane. And they've had so many punts where like they just track them down and they have enough hang time and they go just right where they I mean, it's yeah. it's an art form, right? It's their it's the best version of their offense. Like that's that is what there is this special teams and defense and it's a field position game for them. That's all Iowa's trying to do is they want you to have the ball on offense. They're gonna force you to make mistakes. And they're going to capitalize on them, those mistakes. And their special teams is built into that identity. And and that's just, that's how they play the game, right? Is like, they're happy to be the best punting team in the country because it's led to them having a shot at the Big Ten West yep. with potentially only having won seven games. That's me hitting my head on the wall. Uh, this So, as much as we crap on Iowa and Ference and all this other stuff, we we've also lamented about Nebraska not like playing in all three phases. You gotta have yeah. special teams. Like yep. Iowa at least uh, I'm gonna say this. They know they know who they are and they know how they need to operate in order to at least give them chan- themselves a chance to win. Yep. They've held true to that. Um and you can call it stubbornness if you want, but it's an effective stubbornness. Um I think it's a self-assuredness. I think it's it's Kirk Ferentz, much as I can't stand him, at least he he knows what he has. He is he is very much aware of of everything he has. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and he's very yeah, just self-assured. Uh, 
And here they are. Like they're playing with control of the West. Yeah. And they're doing it because they have not all three phases of the game, but they have them all working in tandem. Sure. To a point where they can keep themselves in it. Yeah. Well, they've taken offense out of the equation. They've just looked at their offense and gone, well, we don't need that to win. <laughs> so they don't. They they don't. No, I know they don't. But it's and it but it's not like it's not like we're just gonna forget about it. It's more like we're gonna use our other we're gonna use our strengths. Yeah. To lend a hand to where we're weakest. Lend a hand. That's <laughs> I mean, goodness gracious. That's putting it lightly. Yeah. Yeah. But they but it but it like it it's working. Like and it's frustrating from the outside. It's frustrating as somebody um who cheers for Nebraska. Here's here's my final thought before we get into our predictions on this. Okay. I'm licking my chops over this game. I'm just <laughs> licking them chops, right? Chops have been licked. Because I think that this is a very winnable game for Nebraska. The way that Nebraska has performed against these top-tier defenses, it feels like we can get 14 points out of this. If Nebraska can get over that hump and find 21 points, if they can find 17 points, and this defense rises to the occasion the way that they have, this is a game where it is it is going to come down to that one last series. If you can win that last series, whether it's on offense getting that first down or, or sustaining a drive, or if it's on defense getting that one last stop, I, I feel like it's within reach. I'm not trying to be delusional on that front. I'm not trying to just be a homer on that front, but it just feels like the way that all of these games have kind of stacked on themselves over the past two seasons, really. We have the athletes to keep us in the game. Now I want to see these athletes who haven't given up yet, and I don't foresee them with Mickey at the helm as the interim right now. I don't foresee them giving up. I think that this could kind of be the turning point, right? This could be where we go, look, we are not, um, we're not going to give up as Nebraska. We're not going to give up. We're not going to be complacent. We're not going to be who we are. And that's going to lead into my prediction. But but I, I really feel like this is a game where it's it's possible to walk away with a win. Regardless of what the implications are for the Big Ten West, for Iowa, for all of that, that win will mean more to this program moving forward than Iowa going to the Big Ten West champion or Big Ten championship and losing, excuse me, and losing to whoever they get demolished by. Yeah. All right. What do you think? All right, here we should go. We, should we make some predictions? Yeah, I'll do mine first. And you, you actually texted me this week about yours, so I, I want to save yours for last. Well, mine okay, was, I'll, I, I'll preface mine after. Cause that that puts puts it up there. Oh yeah, but it's well, on a pedestal. It's all right. Okay. No, it's okay. I I was I didn't. I was waiting till after Wisconsin. Cause I always try to. I want to do it in the moment, in the with yeah. the emotion. And I, Wisconsin killed me. And so afterwards, I was like, I don't even fucking do this. <laughs> so, but sorry, Kathy. I am. I still did one. It's it's brief. <sighs> all right. What's at stake? Beat Iowa, and if Purdue wins. You could have knocked Iowa out of the Big Ten championship game, which, aside from playing for bowl eligibility, a better bowl position, a chance at the West, a chance to go to Indy, or a shot at the playoffs, there's really not much more that you can ask for. But really, I could have just ended that last run-on sentence after two words. Beat Iowa. Give me a weird, ugly, low-scoring game. Nebraska finds the end zone just once, and Timmy boots through a single field goal. Iowa manages... Two safeties, 10-4. The 2022 season is mercifully over and out. Go Big Red. Okay, that was fucking beautiful. <laughs> Kathy, I'm not sorry. That was fucking beautiful. 
that over and out, that turn of phrase. <sighs> oh, you if, felt good right there, didn't uh, you? Yeah, you yeah. felt yeah, real good I right there. When I hit that score, I was like, 10 Oh, 10 4. Like, of all the scores, that's totally an Iowa score. Oh, man. Woo. That, that, I want to be there for it. I want to be there for that kind of a game. Yeah. I want to be, I want to be so clenched the entire <laughs> game. And then when it finally hits zero and we can just go, we did it. Yeah. We're storming the field. And oh, then there's man. just us two <laughs> idiots. <laughs> Getting taken out by Iowa security. Oh, I can't they wait. can't. They won't be able to catch me. I'm squirrely. <laughs> I'm gonna be greased up. They sell beer at that stadium, so I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be loose. Yeah, I'm the DD that day. So yeah, you'll have to stop drinking at half. Oh. No, just kidding. I mean, no. I yeah. Yes. Yes. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Mine's kind of long, and I apologize, but I had some shit to get off my chest. Let's hear it. This past year has been rife with a multitude of personal struggles from both internal and external sources. Most of these trials and tribulations have remained off-air, dis, uh, dissected in the conversations that take place before we press record over longer, stronger drinks. The least of these difficulties is Nebraska football. In fact, although the Huskers have found themselves on the wrong side of success for the better part of a decade or even longer, depending on who you ask, the hope brought about by each weekend in the fall is a welcome reprieve from the stressors of modern life. It's true that Husker fans exist in a fandom that is focused on the past. You would, too, if your past was draped in rich history and tradition, a past highlighted by Heisman winners, conference titles, and national championships. Nebraska's football history exists among the top of college football. It stands as a reminder of the possible, a goal to one day, once again, achieve. So let's hear it, Iowa fans. You've won seven straight games against Nebraska. Since Nebraska joined the Big Ten, you've won the division twice, and Nebraska has won it only once. You've had stability in Kirk Ferentz for 24 seasons while in the same stretch. Nebraska has struggled through five different coaches. It's true. All of it's true. But here's the rub. You reward complacency. You revel in mediocrity. You have no history to stand upon, no heroes to look back on, no past to embrace and no future to strive for. You have a head coach who basks in his own flaws, too stubborn to recognize that nepotism is keeping you from achieving college football immortality. Your excitement to beat on this Nebraska team has cost you everything. You believed Kirk to be the answer to your program, but you're surprised when your head coach, who averages 7.7 .7 wins per year, can't get you over the hump. We're a developmental program, your fandom claims, as you find yourself pinned down by a massive buyout and an AD with his balls so firmly clenched in Kirky's hands that it makes Brian Ferentz jealous. Sure, you have a chance at the Big Ten West for a second year in a row, a shot at losing to Michigan or Ohio State twice this season. Good for you. From the outside looking in, that's what Iowa football is all about. But the thing is, you don't get it because you've never had it. So little birdies, keep chirping to the west. Go ahead and talk. Your windmills need the breeze. Just know that while you're celebrating another season as the second prettiest girl at the dance, we're still looking at you and laughing because you're happy with where you are and we're happy we're not Iowa. Nebraska 18, Iowa 10. <laughs> Hot damn! Wow, that is that was a that was a we're 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 three and eight. <laughs> hey, and it just all is pent up. But it's win yeah. or lose, I'm not you. Yeah, and you know what? That's the best part of this whole thing. That is, that is definitely. Uh, I just figure if I I was going to come at us with all that yeah. shit, none of that none of that takes away our national championships, our multiple Heisman winners, 
or whatever. Iowa has like five claim championships from like Sports Writer Weekly of the Great Depression or something like that shit. <laughs> they've got one that they kind of claim and they've got a Heisman winner from the 30s who they named their stadium after. Yeah. Okay, I, cool. I think the thing I think the thing that's that rings most true is it is that they are sticking with Kirk Ferentz like through all of this and not just sticking with him but like investing locked yeah down yeah. with him like all in um with a guy who yeah it's it they they have they they are a program that accepts mediocrity and it's it's hard to you know punch from this position hey the um, only way to punch is up right but, yeah but right now that's where we get to punch at least we're yeah at least we're aspiring man like that's at, that's it right you know yeah the fan base has never gone away um, the tradition won't ever go away. The history doesn't go away. Like that's that's cemented, right? That is always going to be there, and it's not about living in the past. Like, um, you know, you, you can't you can't say um, you're a college football fan and then also say that tradition doesn't matter. Like, right. you can't. That's speaking out of both sides of the mouth. So, um, yeah, I yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with you. <laughs> that was, yeah. I just want to win this game. I just so I, I was I was looking at the numbers and I was trying to think like, OK, so Nebraska's made some boneheaded decisions when you look at it, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking. But when you when you take it from 30,000 feet and you really look at what this program's tried to do with Frank Solich, we let him go. He was averaging nine, nine and a half wins. I think it was nine point six wins per season when he was let go. Uh, and we moved on to try and find someone who could get us back to the national championship after we were embarrassed by Miami. Yeah, I think they wanted somebody to, who could evolve with the with the times. Right. So we go to Bill Callahan, a guy with NFL experience. It doesn't work out. He's not meant for the college game. And then we find Bo Pelini, who consistently wins nine games, but we let him go. And then the national media is saying, man, Nebraska's making a huge mistake letting go of Bo. But it's again, it's this thing where it's we're, we're not complacent. We don't want a coach to just win nine games. We want it to mean something. We want to win conference championships and let that build upon winning a national championship. So then we take a risk with Mike Riley. Then we take, you know, what we think is the home run hire with Scott Frost. So none of this stuff, when you look at it from from what this fan base expects and believes and knows we've achieved in the past so that we believe that it's possible in the future. Like none of that really feels out of place for what this administration has done, for what this program has done, the university has done, and that sort of things. And so, it's it's hard when you're in it and when you're on the losing side of the battle, and you've been on the losing side for seven seasons, for ten years with Wisconsin, for however long. When you can't beat uh, uh, Minnesota, you can't beat an Illinois. You're having trouble. You can't beat a Purdue. Like all of this stuff, like it feels so shitty. But when you take a breath and you step back and you look at it and you go, it's because we're trying to achieve greatness, not a momentary victory. And I believe that Trev Alberts is the guy who understands that. He never got his national championship. He's fighting for something bigger right now. And that's why this, to me, this coaching search is so impressive that nothing's gotten out because of how much is at stake. You would think that everyone would be clamoring to be the first one to break it, the first one to say something, the first one to get it out there. But this means so much to so many people and he wants to get this decision right and there's so much riding on his shoulders but I believe in Trev's decision making quality and if you've listened to our podcast throughout the seasons decision making is a very important thing to me it's not it's not the results it's the decision and so this decision you know like it feels like it's being made with all of the care and all of the respect and all of the expectation that the entire fandom and the athletes and the coaches that are here representing Nebraska believe in yeah. Iowa has none of that yeah, I think uh, to to stick with with Trev and the coaching stuff, um, 
the Karen. You don't want to touch me saying Iowa yeah, has yeah, none yeah, of that. No, no, they don't. Yeah, I, we don't need to. We don't need to keep bashing on them. We'll 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 bash on them uh, on the next. I can't wait for all the Iowa fans who yeah. listen to this episode and they're like, "Well, you guys lost. Uh, how does that feel?" Yeah, right. They're gonna be chirping from fucking Indianapolis, maybe. But um, no, I think I think respecting care is is a big part of it, and and uh, I think the reason it's been so sewn up is because Mickey is the interim because Mickey is still. He wants his job, and he's still contending for it. Oh and, yeah, and there's still games on the table, and, and, and because and I it's, think it's all f- it's it's focused on. I know, I know, all the conversations I've had outside of this podcast with with just um, any other fan has always been like, "What do you think of the coaching search? What do you think? Who do you think it's going to be?" And like, I know the attention is there for a lot of people, um, but but as far as Trev is concerned, it's the attentions on this team, yeah. the attentions on the games, the attentions on the players that are here right now. Um, the attention, uh, not the attention, but just just the he's he's giving Mickey, um, you know, just that that room to to be the the, the coach. And I don't I, I don't know how you can't with the way that he has continued to motivate this team. I know I've yeah. said it I'm like a broken record, and people are probably tired of hearing it that this team could have given up. And it takes a special coach like Mickey to keep them motivated week in week out to go up against these guys who are. Again, a Wisconsin team, if we had lost to them, you know, 38 to 14, people would have been like, well, that's that's what, that's what we expect. Yeah, that's what Wisconsin. Yeah. But they didn't, right? They fought to the last second. And you look at it and you go, man, if we had gotten one more stop, we'd have had that game. But you can say that on a down note, but you can also say that on an up note. Like, with all of this shit in shambles and all of the uncertainty and all of the things that are going wrong, have gone wrong, the prodigal son coming back and Scott Frost and then things, you know, whether rumored, confirmed or whatever – just going the exact opposite direction that we all thought it would go, this team could have easily thrown in the towel and everyone would have just looked to 2023. And yet, I'm still excited on game day. I'm still showing up because I believe in the fight of this team. And and it takes a special coach like Mickey. And so I agree that Trev is giving it the respect because Mickey has found a way to continue to motivate these guys. So that's why I, I'm, I'm not ready to say, you know, this is just going to be a, an Iowa win. I, I believe that there is a chance. And if there's a chance, I'm there. Yeah, 100%. Cool. Awesome. Well, that does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned into this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Wannabe Walk-Ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to call in and leave a message on the Wannabe Talk-Ons hotline, at 402-427-0258. You just might be featured on our show. Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation. Join us next week as we react to the Iowa game, recap the 2022 season with little to no time for retrospection, and sample beer from Code Brewing Co. in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red. Drink Big Red.